Blog Talk Radio. Oh, what a wonderful, glorious Saturday. The sun is just streaming, streaming through the window. We know that this Sunday is Palm Sunday, and, and, and it's just a lot of people are getting ready for spring break. Some people are already on spring break. My son had his spring break a couple of weeks ago, and some people are heading off in the spring break. But isn't it a wonderful time here on the East Coast? Our guest is from the West Coast, so she might not even know what I'm talking about. But here on the East Coast, it's been cold. So we, we, we welcome spring for when it comes in strong and we see the flowers growing, and, and but the sunshine is coming through the window. And it's so, I mean, it's absolutely beautiful this morning. I want to welcome you, as we always do, to Blog Talk Radio's Off the Shelf. But it's Saturday, March the 23rd, 2013, and as I always say, thank you so much. I cannot thank you enough. Ten years. We are going on ten years on the air, and every week I look at our stats. More and more and more listeners just keep tuning in. So I thank you, and it's just absolute joy to have you here. To our loyal listeners, sending you hugs and kisses and so much appreciation for staying here with us. For going on 10 years. For those that might just been flipping through the internet, look, wondering what can you listen to, and you just stopped over at Off the Shelf. Thank you, and I want to introduce myself to you. I'm your host, Denise Turney, and as I always say, I'm coming to you live from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And again, I thank you for your support, and I encourage you, you are going to want to pick up a copy of love pour over me you're going to get mystery you're going to get uh, stories about the most intriguing wonderful deep entrenched friendships that you i mean is really going to warm your heart you're going to get high chase scenes you, you're going to have romance a wonderful romance between raymond and brenda and love pour over me and you can get a copy of love pour over me today at amazon.com barnes and noble uh, Google Books, eBook it, Walmart, you name it. Libraries, bookstores, online, offline. If you don't see it on the shelves, just ask the clerk for it. They can order it for you because it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world. And again, go get you a copy of Love Pour Over Me today. And now, let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited about our guest today. I got to tell you, we are so blessed. We just keep getting the most wonderful guests here on Off the Shelf. And our special guest today is, I got to say this right, Hadassah Thomas Martin. And what a beautiful, beautiful name. Hadassah has trained with Precept Ministries. She's a member of Fellowship of International Christian Word of Faith Ministries, and she's an inspirational writer. Hadassah is also the author of the book Reasons for Hatred. What what a compelling title. Does that not grab your attention, just the title alone? She is online at www.hadassahinspires.com, and that's H-A-D-A. S-S-A-H-I-N-S-P-I-R-E-S.com. Again, I'll spell it again, H-A-D-A-S-S-A-H-I-N-S-P-I-R-E-S.com. You can actually go over there right now, check out her website, learn more about her and her writing, even as you listen to her live right here on Off the Shelf today. We are so delighted to have this inspirational writer with us here this morning on Off the Shelf Radio. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Hadassah. 
Thank you, Denise. Thank you. You have a lot of energy this morning, girl. <laughs> oh, yes. Every morning. I love Off the Shelf, and I love our listeners. So I, I absolutely love the show. I get I get half hyped up for Off the Shelf. And to learn about the new the new writers that I, I may not have heard about before and to introduce them to our listeners and to share what you're sharing and your books with them. Now, at your official website, it's reported that you were once an at-risk kid. What do you? How so? How were you previously, early in your life, which you would consider to be an at-risk child? Um, I would consider being a, a latchkey person that comes home from school, you know, to a, to an empty house until your parent gets home from work, which can be quite some time and a lot of idle time. Um, and that's being at risk without, you know, adult supervision at a at a very young age. Um, I consider at risk being uh, raised around, um, you know, uh, in, in an impoverished community where there's, you know, violence, crimes, and drugs going on, which you're susceptible to when you're, you know, when you don't have the proper supervision, you know, coming up. Um, I also consider being a, a, a teenage, having a teenage pregnancy, um, because that can be considered, you know, at risk when you're young and. You know, you, you're 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 out there. You know, sexually active. There's STDs. There's various things that mm. are at a risk to you at a, as a young person when you really should be uh, growing up and and enjoying enjoying your childhood or your adolescence. So those are things. Some of the things that I consider being at risk. You know what? I was listening to you go go down and and sometimes on my way in when I'm going into New York on the train. I'll listen to uh, Steve, the Steve Harvey Morning Show, and he will say to people uh, not to let some, a mistake or something from your past, even if it's something you didn't cause, maybe a parent left, you know, and you didn't grow up with one of your parents or you were abused, et cetera. Don't let that stop you from achieving there's greatness in all of us. You know, and when you look at some people, you would say, no, nah, that's not true for everybody, but there is, there is just this unexplainable, inexpressible greatness in every single one of us, and sometimes we stop believing that, and then we start, whatever we believe, our lives tend to follow what we believe, even if it's not true, even if it's not true. So there's greatness in all of us. I, I really commend you with what you said, with the risk that you faced, and what Steve Harvey was saying to some of his listeners you didn't let that stop you. And then I, this wasn't a question that I had down with the research, but listening to you, it just came up in my head. I try to do things for our listeners, people who just might casually stop by off-the-shelf radio, and they hear something that really helps them in their life. That said, if there's somebody listening who's where you once were, I wanted to ask you, how did you shake out of that and say, you know what, I'm going a better way? What caused you to say, I'm going to make some different choices? Uh, well, Denise, in, in, as a young person, I was always different from the family environment that I grew up in. I was just always different. And what I mean by that is I always, uh, my, my desires were different. I loved school. I'm not saying no one else did, but I loved school. I loved learning, you know, and, um, I just, uh, I was just different in, in that. I, there were some things that just weren't in me. My environment was not in me, if that makes sense. And um, being a product of a certain environment, once I became 
an adult, which was out of adolescence. I, be, I became an independent adult at the age of 16, and so I wanted to try to do things what I thought was right, but I didn't know how. And so to answer your question about how what, it was not one particular thing, it's been a process and it's a journey. It's been a journey, and even today uh, as an adult, you know, there, there are still things that I'm working through because of learned behaviors in my upbringing, you know, mm-hmm. learning to be solely, uh, you know, I'm a caring individual, individual, but you have to be careful because there's a difference between caring and caretaking. And I found uh... myself caretaking because of the things that I needed and that were missing. So I needed to be needed. So, therefore, there I was. You know what I'm saying? Caring. Wow. All of these things I had to learn to work through, and actually, I really believe it was my contact with the Word of God that caused me to see that God had something there. And I, I, I didn't really, I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't believe there was any greatness in me. I didn't think there was any worth in me, there was any value in me. I, um, I, my mother did, you know, the, the, she had a 10th grade education. She was a very positive person but limited in her exposure, but with the exposure she had, she said, you know, you're going to be somebody, but she didn't tell me who. <laughs> but she would always say, right, you're going to be right. somebody. You're not going to be uh, like this. You're not going to be like this. You're going to be better than me. You're going to be. And she would always, and if someone said something negative, for example, I have a beauty mark on my face, and some people call it a mole or whatever, but kids can be mean. Right. And I used right. to have very, very thick eyebrows. Very, very thick, like a werewolf type thick, where they met in the middle. And so mm. I go to school and kids uh. say, Oh, she's got a booger under her nose. Oh, look at uh. her They were so mean and I would come home crying and my mother said, Honey, don't even worry about their they're just jealous because they that is not a that is a beauty mark because you are beautiful and people are painting those on. Marilyn Monroe paints her. She was just telling me all these people. And she said, so mm-hmm. when you go to school, you let them know you have a beauty mark, and they're just jealous because they don't have one. And she always turned lemons into lemonade like go that. Go ahead, she Mom. Had go that ahead, kind Mom. of wisdom. You, you know what I'm saying? Yes. And so she helped me in those in those ways. But how did I get from A to Z really is, has been a journey, and it has been exposure to God and trying to understand his word, but just knowing, I remember when I first heard the gospel, I was about 14. I was a bad kid. I say bad, but not really, but I was just out there because I had too much idle time, me and my friends, mm-hmm. and we were just always doing something, beating up somebody. I wasn't the fighter. I was the passive one, but I was in the pack, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, we were going by this storefront church. It was a little sanctified church, and it was just shaking the whole block, you know, little guitars, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> and we didn't have any trouble to get into on this day. It was three of us. And we were looking for something to get into. There was just no one on the streets. It was a hot summer day. We kept walking by this sanctified church, and we were scared to go in there because the mother of the church had her wig on. It was slid to the side. Her teeth were missing out of the front of her mouth. She had this long dress with these large shoes. And we were afraid. We thought that it was witchcraft because we didn't know anything about God or church. So we kept walking by, and the mother said, come on in. We were like, uh-uh. Now, girl, this is the truth. We were carrying switchblades and razors, okay? I'm just being mm-hmm. honest with you. Mm-hmm. But we were not going to go in that church. We were packing and we're not going in that church, okay? 
So we kept walking by, and the music kept drawing us. And then finally, if you want to go in, yeah, let's go in. Anyway, long story short, we, we, we went in and said we're going to stick together. If they try to do anything to us, I don't know what we were going to do. But I heard the gospel for the first time. I never heard that Jesus loved me. I had wow. never heard that he was coming back to get me if I accepted. I had never heard that. I forgot about the deal that I made with my two girlfriends to stick together. That right. evangelist made that altar call grow. I jumped up like some popcorn. Wow. And I went to that altar. And they followed me because, remember, we're going to stick together. <laughs> yeah. But I, I really had an encounter with Almighty God. Girl, I fell out on the floor, which I knew nothing about falling out. And I had on a micro mini dress. It wasn't a mini dress, girl. It was so short. It was where hot pants go. Oh, nothing was under there. And... um they threw this big old blanket over me, and I was just laying there. And, you know, and my girlfriend fell out, but she was faking. And I just kept hearing her call my name. Finally brought me back to reality. She's on the floor. And I'm like, hey, I'm like, huh? So anyway, they get me up off the floor, girl, and I'll, everything looks new. I don't know these people with these long dresses and all that, and I just begin to hug them and love them, I, you know, and instantly – you know, I went into dressing like them, and the whole, I had no knowledge, a whole bunch of zeal, and, you know, it was hellfire and brimstone, you're going to hell type of church. But that was my first encounter with God. No, my life didn't get better. Actually, it got worse. Wow. But I, I had an encounter with God, and just that little flicker kind of led me, you know, as I went on through my life, through a lot of trauma, a lot of tragedy, but it led me to where I am today. Wow. Before we go into your book and to your the Keeping It Real Ministries, which I want to talk about next, I wanted to ask you, you said you went through, then you said things actually got rougher. Was there a struggle? And this, this, irregardless when there's change, I, I, I also interview people for a magazine, and I interview generally women who own their own businesses, and some of them are incredibly successful. And I, I will ask them that shift you make from going from employee to employer, and they all say there's a bit of a struggle, and it's generally not as smooth a shift as you they would think that it would be. So you made a shift. You changed in your life. How how was it, like, if your friends didn't come along with you, and a lot of times when we, when we change our lives, whether we're starting a company, we're going to move someplace else, we're going to start a family, Everybody in, from the past doesn't come along with us. It, it, everybody doesn't, and nor do they have to. But how was that transition for you? And, again, I think about our listeners who are making a transition, maybe one similar to what you made, maybe one, again, starting a company, moving to someplace different, letting go of a, a relationship they should have never been in to start with. How Ooh, much girl. was that tug, that tug to, like, Go back to where you came from. Go back. This ain't gonna work. Go Ooh. back to where you came from. And how did you how did you deal with that? For our listeners, again, regardless of the situation, they're feeling that tug to go back to where you came from. Sis, let me tell you, that is a powerful question because um, currently I am in transition. And let me tell you, that tug. I'm going to say this on a number of levels. I'm going to say this on the level that I watched my mother, who was a victim of domestic violence, have that tug to go back to what was familiar. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say mm-hmm. that on the level of, of 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 people that I know 
who had addiction to drugs and got free and had that tug to go back mm-hmm. to what was familiar when they faced stress, when they faced pain, or when yes. they dealt with something that pushed mm-hmm. them back. I'm going to say that on the level of, of having been in relationship that I didn't belong in, but there mm-hmm. was something familiar or there was a little yep. bit of a, some type of pleasure in that. And I'm not talking mm-hmm. about on the whole schedule. Scale, mm-hmm. But a little, there's some pleasure there in that tug to go back yeah. and go, it's not good for you. But the bottom line is we all are comfortable with what is familiar, even if it's an oh, abusive yes. situation. And that you familiarity is what draws us back. That thing yes. that we're comfortable with, that's mm-hmm. what. But, but, I, but this is the breaker. This is, this is the, 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 what I want to say, the chain breaker. Spending time in the presence of Almighty God. When you are so in union with God, it means you step up out your bed in the morning or in the evening, whenever you, whatever your schedule is, and you really cultivate a relationship with God, and you know that he has a future and a hope for you. You don't know what it is, but you trust him with all your heart. You trust that everything in your life, that he's intimately acquainted with all your ways. You really believe that he has the best in mind and in store for you, and you're trusting him. That is the chain breaker, your faith, your union. The Word of God says in Ephesians 6 and 10, be empowered through your union with Christ, okay? So that's Mm -hmm. where your power comes from, girl. And when you are united with God, that pull to go back, what was familiar, even though it's not good for you, is broken. It first is lessened and is broken. That's mm-hmm. what has kept me and why I can maintain my joy. Yes, you're going to have emotions. You're in a, right. you, yeah, but your emotions don't lead you, baby. Your emotions <laughs> follow the Holy Ghost, okay? So what happens is when the Holy Spirit is not fulfilling us, the emotions are stronger, so we yield to the emotions, and that's how we end up going back. But when you're united with God through intimacy by talking to him and being naked, you don't have to have a formula. Just talk to him like I'm talking to you and mm-hmm. lay yourself out and be honest with him about your ugliness. Be honest with him about your emotions. God, I want to go back, but I know that's not good for me. I need you to help me. Guess what? He'll come and he'll help you. So the power is in your union, not going to church, because we know going to church don't make you're a Christian no more than no. being in a garage with you a car, right. right? Right. Okay. So the bottom line is we have to get on our faith or stand up on our knees, sit down, whatever we do, and sit down and commune with God, whether that's sitting there talking to him, reading your Bible, writing him letters, whatever your communion time is, and it'll break the chain. It'll break that thing, that strong hold, strong hold that tries to take you back. And, yes, you can't take every – everybody is not connected to your destiny. And it hurts you, especially when you care about people, that they can't come along with you. But the more you walk with God, the more you realize that he has some people in your life for, for certain things, for certain seasons. But he's going to be with us all our lives. He never right. leaves us nor forsake us. So he's a constant stay, and that's who we have to stay connected to. And then we can break the chain, and we can go through the transition. Because transition change is uncomfortable. Denise, you know that. Don't nobody well, yeah. want to change. Right. You want to stay familiar. familiar. Yes. Now, and you know what? The, the funny thing about, about and, and the people, again, that I have interviewed in, in all different walks of life uh, that have been successful, 
they they do just they at some point that you gotta have to trust, but you all they keep they keep moving forward. They don't mm-hmm. even when it's tempting to go back. They just and some of them have told me they've gone back. They might have gone back to an old job, and then mm-hmm. whatever in you is in you. They don't feel happy there, so then they leave again, and then they just keep moving forward. And you have to press your way through fear. You I mean through what mm-hmm. feels like uncertainty. Sometimes you feel like you're out there all by yourself. But I think what the past seems comfortable to us, the past that seems comfortable to us, once mm-hmm. didn't, it once was the new thing. And and because we're used to it, we're like, oh, I know how to handle this. So mm-hmm. we don't have to use no inner vision, no faith, don't have to pump up our courage. But exactly. that new, But that used to be something we were afraid of, too. So just mm-hmm. keep moving forward in your life. I really believe there's something in us. A greatness in each of us, and if we don't fulfill it, we're not going to feel fulfilled. So you have to keep moving forward. Don't go back. Don't do that to yourself because you're not going to be happy back there. Just keep going forward. Keep going forward. Keep going forward. I want to ask you next. I was just going to add something to your statement, which is absolutely right. Sometimes, Denise, you can't move forward. Sometimes you just have to be still and know. You right. know what I'm saying? Depending on where you are, don't regret, but sometimes you have to be still, and you have to know that you're, you know, in the will of God where you are. But the biggest thing for me is to live in the now. The problem mm-hmm. is we reflect on, oh, God, you know, if I had done this, we reflect on mm-hmm. the past, if I had done that, and then we want to look in the future and wonder what, what would happen if I was still there. I wonder if I, you know, what they doing now. No, no, no. We, the past is gone. We can't go back and get it, and we cannot change it. The future is not here yet. We know God has a future and a hope for us, but all we have that's alive is right now. And if we just focus on, you know what, I'm here right now. This is what I'm going to deal with. It becomes easier. It takes the pressure off of your anticipation and your regret. Reason for, reason for hatred. I definitely want to talk about your book, and, and today's show is blazing by it is really going fast. Is Reasons for Hatred, is that a nonfiction or a fiction book? Um, I would say it's fiction because it's based on true events, although all the characters' names have been changed. And then there's some pieces that, that help me put the story together that are not true. But the base, the story is true, if that makes sense. Oh, so you say you think it's nonfiction, but it's some of it you've just changed. You would say not. No, no, I said I, no, no, no. I said it's fiction. It's it's, oh, it's fiction. based okay. on a true event. Yes. Okay. Okay. Nonfiction now. means not false. Not false. I'm sorry. It's nonfiction. Girl, hush. I'm still asleep. <laughs> okay. That's what I thought you meant. I thought you meant when you said it's based on some true events. So you would say it's nonfiction. Now, can you yes. tell us? Can you give our listeners an overview? of reasons for hatred. Can you just give them a brief overview without giving the whole story away? Right. Um, The overview in a nutshell is um, it's a chapter out of my adolescence about uh, it identifies reasons that I have for hatred. It actually goes into graphic details about why I hated an individual and um, how God brought me to a place of an epiphany and uh, how I was able to walk into the area of unforgiveness. I mean, it's it's really detailed. I'm told by people that it's highly intensive. It, they cannot they can't put it down. That um, it's an easy read, and and most people, I would say, 90% of the people read it have read it in 24 hours. But basically, wow. it's about my journey to unforgiveness because um, 
uh, I had some really valid reasons, and those reasons are identified and they are detailed out in the book for hatred and why I, I, I chose the path of hatred, but why I couldn't continue down that path, what God had revealed to me about uh, harboring unforgiveness and how I got free, because I didn't want to be free. Some people want to be free. Some people, I didn't want to be free. So mm. I wanted to, to live right there because I felt justified. And pretty much that's what the story is about. What is the title of the character who represents you in the book? Is, is, that, <laughs> is it your name? Her name or is Hadassah. Hadassah. Okay. Okay, so use your name for the character. Okay, Hadassah. Well, yeah, you can say that. You can say that. That's the story behind that, and we don't have time, but I, I'll tell you offline how that happened. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, can you tell yeah. us about the two brothers who are separated at birth and, and reasons for hatred? Can you can you give us just a, a description of both of them, and why were they separated? I'm sorry. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Which, the, the two brothers that were separated at birth? I hope I, I hope I'm on the right track here in reasons for hate when I did the research for your book. I didn't you know have any brothers. Were there any were there any was there anybody in the story who was separated? Maybe when I did the research I came across something and I might have got it confused with something else okay. when I was doing the research. But, yeah, no, no. At birth, no, nothing going on at birth. I, I in there talked about uh you know, well, speaking of birth, the birth of my son, I, I, I had a son, you know, and it tells what happened there. Um, nothing about birth. I had two uh, people. I had a, a brother um, who was was taken from me. That's in the book. Um, and then I had a cousin who moved in to become my brother, and then he was taken from me. And that's okay, in that the might book. be what I'm referencing to. In, in, that might be. The... That sounds kind of okay. yeah. They yeah, they were really really close, and I I don't want to give too much away in the book okay. either. But yes, yes. Okay. Now, based on your personal experience, you seem very different from the character here on the Off the Shelf show, the way you described yourself years ago, you seem very, very different. And it's amazing to me when you when you talk to people and they tell you how they used to be, you can't even imagine them that way. You can't even, exactly. they've changed so much that you, you can't even believe. It's like you think they're making it up. You're like, no, you couldn't have been that way. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I was. And you, you can't, you can't believe it. Ba- based on your personal experience, what would you say is easier to do after we've been attacked or hurt to hate or to forgive? Girl, please, hands down, it's easier to hate. Please, that don't take any thought. I'm sorry. But, okay, so but now through all, the change, through all the change you've gone through, would you say that now, though? No, I wouldn't say that now. But, but let me can I, let me just share this with you. I've learned over the years to instantly forgive uh, egregious, open, blatant offenses. I can do that with the drop of the hat. I mean, I'm just trained. I shouldn't say trained, but I've learned something open, big, and whatever. Nope, I, I just let it go. And maybe through this journey is why I learned to do that. I forgave my my father's murderer. You know, I led her to the Lord. I, I sang at her wedding, and I uh, sang at her funeral. You know what I'm saying? I forgave her. Um, I've, I've learned a big, over, overwhelming things to forgive. But what I'm finding is that there's little things um, that 
I'm, I'm, I'm doing this forgiveness, this 21-day forgiveness diet with a young lady that lives in Arkansas. I met her online. And I said, well, let me wow, just go I've never even heard of that. Yeah, her name is Latursa. Lord, what is Latursa's last name? Diet. Anyway, yes, yeah, a 21-day forgiveness diet, and and I met her online. Anyway, I said, you know what? Let me let me let me see what this is about. You know, let me go through this. And so I did. And what was her name is Latursa Blakely. And so what it is is I'm going through this thing, and I, I don't have anything. You know, I have reasons or what I might think are reasons, but I just let it go. I'm done with that. But what I found. There are little subliminal things that you think that you are handling, and they get a little nudge, they get a little root down in there. So when we were doing the assignments, one of the assignments is write a letter to someone you need to forgive. I couldn't think of anybody I needed to forgive, so I'm sitting on the bed, I'm praying, I say, God, who do I need to forgive? And I said, there's one person that I'm kind of going through something with right now. Maybe that's the person I need to forgive, so search me, Lord. And another person came up, Denise, that I had no clue. Wow. It wasn't the person that I thought I was going through something with. It was a whole other person, and it blew my mind. I said, what? God, you saying I got And it was little subtle things that I had thought I was putting up with, I was wow. putting up with, but it had built. And then I began to write this letter to that person, and it began to flow, girl. Stuff was just coming out, coming out, coming out. I was like, whoa. Wow. So yeah, the big thing easy to forgive, but the little things that you keep putting up with, putting up with, and you thinking that it's not bothering you, they can de- they can build subliminally without you being aware. So got that out through this 21-day forgiveness diet, and I was like, oh, Lord, thank you for showing me because I don't want anything blocking my flow. Oh, no, 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 and that's probably what tears up a lot of marriages. Like you said, it's not the big stuff. It's the little stuff that just keeps packing on and packing on and packing on <laughs> It starts exactly. getting too heavy, and then that. Now, a lot of people write books for a lot of different reasons. You 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 wrote about based on real life experiences, but you know you change the names of the characters, and there's some things in your book you said that are fictional. But some people write books because they 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 just want to express themselves. Some people write books because they want to sell a lot of copies of their books so they can earn a living as as a writer and make a lot of money. What inspired you to write the particular book you wrote? Because you could have wrote a, a lot of other books. What inspired you to write Reasons for Hatred? And this is the first, you're the first person I got to tell you I've interviewed in almost 10 years who's written a book on this concept. What inspired you to write Reasons for Hatred? And why did you decide to share your story with the entire public? Uh, one word, God. I really believe that. I, other than that, I would never would have shared my story. When you read it, I don't know if you've read it, but nobody would share that kind of intimate, on that intimate level unless God would direct them to, particularly about, you know, a family. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. the inspiration was um, over the years, uh, being at women's conferences, you know, and I've spoken um, all over the place in Northern California, Monterey, different places. And um, I've ran into women that had this root of bitterness. I've ran into women who have been molested by their dad. And I've ran into women, and, and they see me as like I have it all together. So um, I've had incidences where I've had to minister to women, and the only way I could get them through was to share parts of my story. 
because mm-hmm. if I was just there listening to them and I was telling them about God and how God can do it, it wasn't breaking through the barrier. So then the Holy Spirit said, tell them a little bit about you. And when I tell them about me, they just, like they revelate, they look at me, eyes light up, what, you? Not you. And then it breaks it, and then they're able to start that journey. To, and you know what? If you can do it or God did it for you, and look at you, then he can right. do it for me. So that kept happening to me over the years. And then um, then other, then those women would say, you know what? You need to write that. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not interested in publicizing. <laughs> Long story short, those were the motivating things. When I saw the walls being broken in the lives of other women, when I did have the courage to share a piece of my testimony. And so over the years, God said, you know what? Put it in a book because it's going to, there's an audience for it. It's not about book sales. It's not about this. It's about people experiencing the deliverance that Christ died for. And the only way some people can be free is if they hear the raw truth about what you went through, not the, the sugar-coated stuff, you know, and you looking mm-hmm. all saved and religious. But they need to know, you, you know, you've been raped, you've been abused. Yes, this happened, that happened, yeah, murder occurred in your, in your life, and blah, blah, blah. And wow, and that's the feedback I've gotten, Denise. Wow. Like, that's... man, I've got reasons to hate, but you've got real reasons to hate, and you mean you let that go? I need to let this little thing go. That is powerful. Wow. Yes, Thank you for sharing your story. That is that is powerful, and for the people's I mean, the readers who your book is meant for, I mean, you probably won't meet maybe half the people who your book might help change their life. You you won't even know about these people. But uh, that that is really, really powerful. Now, now, what was the process of creating Reasons for Hatred? Did you, had you written anything else before, like a poem, short stories? Did you just sit down? Did you create an outline? Did you take a writing course? How did you go about actually creating the process of creating your book, Reasons for Hatred? Well, Denise, um, I've always been a writer. Uh, I express myself through writing. That is my greatest form of expression. Years of journals that I've written in when things frustrate me, when I write letters to God, when I don't understand. And then in college, I love to write. I took uh, English classes, written poetry. I've written poetry about my daughter, poetry about my uh, my son, poor, I have poems that I've just written about my grandmother and her pan-fried cornbread. Just anything that moves me, you know, I can, I'm a better writer than I am a speaker. And so when I went to write this book, it, it wasn't a problem at all for me. But the way I write, I write in pieces, and then I put, it to, put the puzzle together. I organize it. You know what I'm saying? So I just get the I get the emotion out. I get the feeling out. I get the expression out on paper. And then I go back and I review it. And then I put it where it's supposed to go. Sometimes it may be chronological, whatever I write. So, I mean, I've written um, a screenplay before, you know. It was just in my spirit, and I couldn't stop. Yeah, uh-huh. I couldn't stop until I wrote it, but I, I didn't do anything where actually it got lost. But it was just in my spirit. I had to get it out. Once I got it out, I was good. So mm-hmm. that's just something that I just do as a, as a pastime or a hobby. I never, ever desired to write a book, never thought I would write a book, never wanted to write a book, never wow. thought anybody would read anything that I would write. It was all for me in my relationship, you know, with God, or if I was in a romantic relationship, you know, girl, I come up with some really good poetry. You know, I could just write. Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> but, uh, it just came, yeah, it just came, just came. It was like, you know what, put this in the book. So I just put it together, wrote it, wrote it, what was in my heart, get it out, get it out, get it out. 
it was a painful experience because I hadn't visited those memories. I was going to ask you that. Oh yeah. my goodness, we had we had a woman on the show who I believe she was from Jamaica, and her mother. I, I just can't believe. She thought she she said she's not for sure, but it, it, she think it happened to her other sisters. When she turned twelve, her mother took her to meet this older man, and he was a government official. She said she would never say his name, mm-hmm. a prominent government official, and made her laugh her there. And he turned her like into a, a sex per, you know person he had sex yeah. with, and she yeah. got pregnant. And then when she wrote a book, and I asked her, I just can't imagine when you go back and relive. Oh my God! What? How pain? She said it was emotionally very painful, but she did it for the same reason you did to help other people. But I just mm-hmm. said, Oh my God! Those are the kind of experiences you like. Just leave them in the dust. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, though, sis? Healing comes from that. You know, um, I don't know, you know, where she, but in in the black community, you know, it, it's not profitable. It's not popular. At least when I was growing up to see a therapist or to go to talk to somebody about whatever. So I never talked to anybody professionally, you know, mm-hmm. about it. And actually very few people, I have a cousin that I grew up with, and she knows bits and pieces because we were kind of the same age, but I never ever told anybody the details of what I was going through. I never shared it with anybody because I was afraid, for one, I was afraid for my life. But mm-hmm. when I visited as an adult, you know, your adolescent, your mind is not fully developed. You know that. The cognitive right. development process is not completed. So I look back and I'm like, why didn't I do this? And why didn't I do that? And, you know, I'm not angry anymore, but I said, I wish I wish he would today. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I would just, like, go yeah. off, you know what I mean? And so I'm having wow. all these emotions. And then I'm having the emotions of a 15-year-old at the same time. So bottom line is, I found healing in that process that I never Mm. knew. And I'm even, yeah, I was free. Yeah, I was free. But I'm even more free, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I'm even more free since writing it, you know. What a, I mean, your book, I'm sure there are listeners definitely like I I have to get that book. It's two things with your story. It's so poignant that somebody could say, I have to get that book, and somebody could say, I don't want to deal with it. Is is one or two, and maybe in time, the uh, you know people who say I don't want to deal with it can can get to where they can uh, read 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 a read your story because some mm-hmm. people don't want to face they might like I don't want to face it I don't want to deal with it, and then some people might be ready to deal with it. Uh, you wrote a very very powerful powerful book that said <laughs> what what will readers learn about themselves as they sit down to read reasons for hatred. Um, I, I, what will they learn? I can tell you what, what people have already said, and I, I wish, you know, that some of the listeners who have read the book could share their impact, because I've seen all kinds of uh, responses to the book. But the book ends on a very good note. If you can just hang in there, mm-hmm. it has a positive ending. <laughs> okay. You know, you got to go through to get to the promised land. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But um, I think that, People will come face-to-face with their hurt, whatever that is, if they've been hurt, you know, mm-hmm. if they've been uh, – they may not have been abused and all the stuff to the degree that I was, but they may have suffered something from the hands of someone else. And they will read about somebody, a human being, a real-life human being, that went full circle and came out okay, you know. Mm-hmm. But what people have told me was that 
what my book it did for them is it made them realize, first of all, that they had unforgiveness. They didn't. They thought they had forgiven the person. Wow. But when they read my book, they said, "Oh mm. my Jesus, I yeah. have unforgiveness." And then the other thing other people have told me is that they what they realized when they read the book is that they need to forgive, and they they don't know how. Mm. You know what? I don't know how to forgive this this what this mm. person did to me. And then the other thing is is people were seeing that what they had against somebody was small in comparison to what they read in my book and that, you know what, I really need to let this go type of thing. Those are the kinds of feedback, you know, that, that I that I received. I received a lot of feedback, a lot I of reviews. I can imagine. Of, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. It's a powerful book. Just hearing you talk about it is very, mm-hmm. You can. T- I can tell it's very powerful. Just hearing you, you, you speak about it. I definitely want to ask you some questions that our listeners can benefit from if they're dealing with similar situations because all different type of things could be a divorce. Somebody could be holding on to a divorce that they've been divorced for 20 years and they still can't let that go. So so want to want to talk about that next. I want to want to remind our listeners here at Off the Shelf that we are speaking with Hadassah Thomas-Martin. She is trained with Precept Ministries. She is a member of Fellowship of International Christian Word of Faith Ministries, and she's an inspirational writer, and she's also the author of the book Reasons for Hatred, which is based in part on her own real-life experiences. And it's a book that teaches you about forgiveness, something that once we do it, our life can just start to take off in the right Mm -hmm. direction. Forgiveness is so important because unforgiveness can block a lot of good things in our lives. And Hadassah is online at HadassahInspires.com, and that's H-A-D-A-S-S-A-H-I-N-S-P-I-R-E-S, Com. And we are so, so happy to have her with us here on this show. And I hope our listeners who tune in today and who tune in uh, through the week, we know we get thousands and thousands of listeners here at Off the Shelf, that, that it will touch you somewhere. And if you're afraid to, to read the book because something's happened to you in the past and you'd like to just leave it there, but if it's still bothering you, it's not really in the past, it's with you, uh, that you will read the book and that you will hopefully be set free so that you can go forward in your life. That said, I want to ask you, Hadassah, do you think a lot of people are holding on to resentment, anger, and depression, but they don't know what's troubling them? I, I, I believe that. Yeah, I believe that can happen. I, I believe the soul of man is very deep. You know, I had God to tell me that only he can unravel the complexities of the soul. You know, our body, you can stick a spear through our body and come out on the other side, but our soul and our spirit is vast, it's deep. And so, yes, I I honestly believe that people can be depressed and and not know why. And let, let me tell you why I believe that. I believe when we come birth into this realm, we come into the world a blank sheet of paper which what I mean is no experiences whatsoever. So we have our parents, our environment, or whatever, right all on our paper, you know, all on our page. And we can't remember what might have occurred when we were an infant that traumatized us. I don't mean something physical. It could be emotional because we're spiritual beings. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So something invisible, some invisible energy, we can't remember everything that has molded and shaped us and impacted us that might lead to depression in our adulthood. We don't know. That's why we have to ask God to search us. 
That's why we have to get before God because he saw what happened when we were in the womb. He saw what happened when we were born. He saw the things that impacted us. And so he is the only one that can heal us. So we have to be real and say, you know, God, I'm having this emotion. I don't know why, but you know, you know, show me, you know, or, you know, fix me, help me, whatever whatever the cry out to God is, and he's faithful. But in answer to your question, yes, I believe people can be depressed. They can be all of that. It's all emotional. It's all psychological, and yes, and not know the reason for it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the depression is not even them. They may be feeling somebody else's pain, depending on wow. what, their, what their gifts are. Wow. They could be hurting for their mother. They could be hurting for their brothers, you know, and thinking it's them. Mm. Now, we had a, a, a one of the listeners in the chat room ask, should the past and all collective experience develop consciousness for our present and, and reasons that we choose to hate? For example, some uh, some uh, black women exhibit hate and disgust for a man that they're with, and then they say they have a good reason to hate them. So should, should, that, should that, and I, I think I know your answer, but should the past give us, a reason to hate now. So you say, I've had all these bad experiences. You cheated on me. You did this. You did that. I hate you. I deserve to hate you. And here's why. No, there. I'm just going to tell you the truth. There is no reason or excuse to disobey God. None. Because he's going to hold us accountable for our actions. Trust me, the man that cheated on her or whatever happened, that person is going to have their time to stand before a holy God and give an account because we're time. We're in time right now. That's just an interruption in eternity. But when we stand before God, there is no more time. So, when I stand before God, He's going to say, "Now I, I have given you a command, and no, you can't do it on your own. Mm-hmm. But, but I can do it through you. See, I couldn't forgive my perpetrator in my own strength. Number one, I didn't want to. Number two, if I wanted to, I couldn't because the pain that was caused caused by that person was so deep. It had impacted my soul. But when I told God that I choose to obey your word and I want to forgive and I don't know how, but if you do it through me and you show me what to do, I'll do it. So that doesn't mean when I see the perpetrator I won't have emotion. That doesn't mean when you have an emotion that you have not forgiven. See, that's what people think. Well, ah, when I see them, I still don't like them. No, no, no. He didn't say we have to like people. He said we have to love one another. It's a difference. We don't have to like their way. But the point is this. We have to obey God. Because that's who we're going to stand before. So, yeah, he did this to me, he did that to me, and blah, blah, and that's why. No, no, no. Grab it all together. You know what I'm saying? Be accountable for yourself. Because when you say he did that and I'm doing this because, you're being accountable for that person. You're taking on that. We need to be responsible for ourselves. And we can't control what other people do. They're going to do what they do. Mm-hmm. We're obeying God and asking God to help us because all I want to hear God say is well done. So that person will have their turn to give an account of God, but I'm going to have to give account to God for the things that I know and the things that he required me to do. The second thing is if we don't forgive or even try, then we mess up all the time. Every last one of us falls short of God's excellence. Mm-hmm. We need forgiveness. So in order for us to receive it from God, we have to give it to people, you know, if we have to. And the other thing is there's, we're not going to get any prayers through. We're not gonna, our flow is blocked. And the other thing is our joy is stifled. 
You know, mm-hmm. we're, we can't be happy when we're trying to hold them hostage and hold them in debt to what they did to us. So there is no excuse for disobedience. God is not going to come up with an excuse. He said, I understand, but I'm your father. I love you. I gave my life to you, and I died so that you might have life. So you do have the ability to have love, joy, peace, happiness, and all of that, and then I'll take care of them. So every man has to stand for himself. You know, I I think you're talking about a topic that really impacts everybody's life at some point because, like you said, it could be some little small thing. And it starts young. It starts very young where we start, somebody does something. It could be a, a, a friend, a kid in school, there's something, and we just are upset. And, and and I don't you 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 touched on a, a point when you said sometimes you think you've forgiven but you haven't you think that little small thing and God only knows how much stuff all of us really really are still holding on to it's almost a scary thought when you think I I I I, I, I forgave him I'm, I'm I'm over it and no you're not and you don't even know it it is almost frightening to think just how much unforgiveness could we could we be holding, like, with the person who asked the question, some people might think, well, I don't care. I'm still not going to forgive. And some, it's almost like they hurt me. I want them to feel that same pain, and I want them to feel it over and over and over again. So how much of that is really going on in in the world? It could be the root of all our problems. <laughs> it, is, it is going on, sis, but the oxymoron is that, it's only hurting you. You think you're hurt. They're not caring. They moved on. They're going on. You know, my, my perpetrator, he went on to do other stuff to other people. You know what I mean? I'm holding the grudge. And I was one of those people. Yeah, I, I was a Christian. I talk about it in the book. I, I knew what God said. But God could have came down personally, incarnate, and talked to me. And I was not going to forgive. Okay, I'm just going to let you know. I was going to commit murder had the opportunity presented itself, and I was looking for an opportunity. And God could have spoken to me in the place that I was in, and I could not hear anybody, him or anybody else, because they didn't experience what I experienced. It wasn't done to them. Mm-hmm. So you all can't say anything to me. I'm going to do what I feel I need to do to bring me, you know, some satisfaction. And so, yes, it's Okay, I'm not going to preach, but let me tell you. Abraham had to get in position to see the provision, right? He was going to go kill Isaac. But he didn't see the ram in the thicket until he went up. So I wasn't in a position to receive all, all the people in church that you need to forgive me. I heard that. I knew that. I even agreed with it. But I wasn't ready. Right. So when I got in position, which was 12 years later, and wow. I said, God, why didn't you tell me this a long time ago? He said, wow. you couldn't hear me. You couldn't hear me. It's in the book. You couldn't hear me. But that day I could hear him for whatever the reason. And, you know, my way I laugh. You know, I don't know why I do that. Some people think I'm laughing at them. But, no, it's just something in me that when something happens, it could be serious. I laugh about it. And I just started laughing. And I said, wow, you mean tell me I've been working this gun and, you know, looking for people for 12 years. And, you know, I ain't going to tell you what what he told me. It's in the book. Get the book. But he's like, yeah. I said, oh, my Jesus. Girl, I started laughing, burnt up the, dis- the, 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 the court report from the trial and all that stuff, girl, and I was free. <laughs> wow. I wow. So I mean, have you... I want to talk about your ministry. We only got about nine minutes left, but I want to talk about your ministry, and I also want to ask you, your, your story is so powerful, and I'm sitting here listening to you, and I'm thinking of all the people you could share your story with, and you might not speak to them 
one-on-one. I mean, you could read masses and masses, and you wouldn't probably be able to do it one-on-one, but like television, radio, going to different organizations. But how many people your story could help prevent them from doing something? It's chilling Mm -hmm. to help them. They they were you were. You understand how that feels, and you could perhaps help stop somebody from pulling the trigger. You you never know that that some people's lives could be completely changed. They could say, I was headed this way, I, I heard her speak, and I totally turned and went in a completely different direction. You would we, we don't even know society when people like you, your stories, how many tragic or violent episodes were prevented by somebody like you sharing your story. That said, do you have do you work with like youth uh at juvenile, youth centers, uh prisons, jails, any any place where people could be at risk of of my God, even just a regular school. Just a regular school, uh uh to stop somebody. I, I just I'm sitting there listening to you thinking the reach of your story is enormous. Do you work with organizations to you could get in there and somebody hear your story? They they don't they they're not telling nobody, but they got a plan going on in their head. They're like, I'm gonna get them, I'm gonna get them, I'm gonna get them, and mm-hmm. you you help stop something very very tragic. Do you work with organizations and speak and share your stories? And if you don't, are you open to doing that? And next question, if you're open to it, how could somebody listening to this show today contact you to have you come speak at one of their organizations? Okay, sis, um, very good question. Uh, Currently, directly, no, I don't work directly with youth or any juvenile uh, agencies or organizations or jails. Indirectly, I, I have a good friend that's a chaplain um, in one of the counties, over the county jails, and at one time, before my book was written, uh, he tried to get me into the women's jail because he felt that I would be a blessing, and that, that didn't pan out, and I'm not sure why. It wasn't because of the background check on me. My background check was clear, praise the Lord, <laughs> not because I did anything great, <laughs> but it's clear, but it had some political uh, impact, and I didn't get in there. And um, so that was that. I do have, um, over the years, I've influenced uh, uh, many young ladies. I've even brought people in my home who lived with me, and I've told them bits and pieces of my story that was applicable to their lives, and I've mentored them, you know, uh, in that way. But as far as a formal uh, setting, uh, no. And, yes, I am open uh, to speaking. And, actually, I'm glad you said that because that's what has grown from this book. That's what has evolved, and I'm believing that's the direction that God is going with what you just said. You know, we look at forgiveness, forgiveness, but what about the person that's planning and plotting like I was? I didn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew what was in my heart, mm-hmm. but I knew. And um, that 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 is a very good point. And, yes, the way people can reach me, um, they can email me at Hadassah at HadassahInspires.com. And, and you, you know already what? spelled it. Yes, ma'am. This popped into my head. I'm, I'm listening to you, and I listen to so, – so, so, it's just a feeling I'm getting while I'm talking to you uh, or interviewing you, um, reaching out to people like uh, Ilana – Ilana, I can't pronounce her last name, 
You probably I know, know who, who you I'm talking about. about. I'm going to see her. And, I'm going and, to see her and, today. And Oprah, Oprah, because Oprah does that kind of stuff, but I'm, not so much so that you, you, you're in the spotlight, but I'm saying it because you have a, your story could really, really help people and society at large in ways that people might not imagine. There was a book that came out years ago that this man wrote. He said he used to, uh, he lived a very, very, made poor choices. I don't know if it was called Switchblade or what it was called, but he turned his life around and he started sharing his story and he said the masses of people. Mm -hmm. He couldn't have been imagined that his Mm -hmm. story touched was mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Mind-blowing. So I, I don't know if you would like, you reaching out to certain people that have talk shows and you, it's, it's a, it's a, I mean, just everyday, even radio shows that do have the guests on, uh, on just all over the country, you have a story that the benefit for the listener is so clear <laughs> that <laughs> I would be shocked if you didn't go out there that you people would say, I'd love to have you on. I'd love to have you on because I think your story is it's it's so powerful. So if somebody they could go to your website and email you at your website if they said they wanted to have you come speak at an organization or one of their churches, just to our listeners right. who either listen today or you listen throughout the week or the coming weeks, Hadassah did say she is open to being to being reached. Now we only have three minutes left. I I, I gotta Okay, do this. let me get this in. Let me get this in real quick. I'm going to see Ayana tonight with my girlfriend and I have a book for her and I'm believing God's gonna open the door where I can hand her one of my books. Oh, I hope you. I hope you. If you don't reach her personally, you mentioned her name, girl. I'm going to see her tonight, this evening. So my 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 girlfriend said, "Girl, have one of your books, because God may open the door, and I'm going to believe God. I can put it in her hand." If you don't, then somebody who works with her. If you don't get to her, whoever whoever stops you, say then Uh then you give it. Then you give it to her. I'll give it to you, and you give it to her. If somebody stops you, TD Jakes is another one. I'm just thinking. You, it, not to put you in a limelight, although that might uh-huh. happen, but to get your story out there. You you okay. you have no idea how many people's lives that they can say, yeah. thank God I didn't do that. Well, thank my marketing engineer, my marketing hmm? engineer is my marketing engineer. I'm sure she's listening, and I'm sure she's taking notes. So praise God for her. I have a question for you. Love pour over me. Who is the author? I'm the author. <laughs> Well, you didn't say that. You didn't say that. I, was, I, I know that's 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 it's it's a novel. It's actually a novel. Love Pour Over Me is actually got uh, it. Uh, okay. It's, it's a novel. Got it. I'm gonna so, order it. I'm gonna buy it. But you didn't say. And I'm in a book club, so I'm gonna introduce it to our book club. Oh well, I appreciate that. But your story is is actually very very powerful. Um, and I will market you know the the, the interview on Facebook and in the social media. I hope you do go out there and reach out to people with two minutes left. I hope you I hope you don't just say that Adas. I hope you actually go out there, reach out to the T D Jakes, the Oprahs. Not not so much for you to get on the show, but your story. Mm-hmm. I, you don't know how many people lives they could say. I'm so I almost did that, and if yeah. I hadn't heard that lady. I would have done it, and my whole life would have would have been ruined. Uh, it's just very powerful um, to me as I'm listening to you. 
But well, Denise, we only I have, promise you, I will do that. I promise I will I, do I that. I hope you do. We have a, 90 seconds left, so I'm going to have to wrap wrap up today's show. I hope that everybody who listened and who will listen in the coming days, that you will share this interview and that you will definitely share it with people who you think need it <laughs> so that, that maybe it will help them to turn their life around and prevent a tragedy. We we can't just keep sitting back listening to one tragedy after the next on the news. We have to do our part to do what we can to stop it. And I think Hadassah's story and her book Reasons for Hatred could do that. So please share the interview with all the folks you know and the people you definitely think could could benefit from hearing her story. And again, she says she is open to speaking at organizations. You have to go to her website and then email her. She says she she is open to doing that. So we want to thank Hadassah for being here with us today, and we want to thank all of our listeners all around the world who tune in to Off the Shelf. Thank you for being here with us today. And if you're thinking about taking out some anger on somebody, please don't do it. And uh, you can read her story if you if you having struggles getting past something that she, that she herself she says she's still a work in progress, but that you can uh, uh, start to move forward. But please, if you got some plans to take something out on somebody, I'm asking you not to do it. Or if you know somebody who is, just tell them you know what, pump, pump the brakes on that. Don't do that. You don't want to do that. Thank you, Hadassah, for sharing your story to our listeners. As I always tell you, you are awesome. You are truly amazing, and if you don't believe it, then you're just not believing the truth. You're awesome. You're truly amazing. To each of our listeners, go out and create a fabulous day for yourself, and please come back and tell everybody, listen to Off the Shelf Saturday mornings, 11 o'clock a.m., and we will continue to bring you phenomenal guests like Hadassah. Hadassah, thank you for an awesome, awesome interview. I'll send you an email uh, with the link when it finishes streaming. Bye for now. All righty. Thank you.